And thank you all for coming out today. I think I've got some good things for you that might be of some help to you this week. I was sitting there thinking about this song that we just sang, talking about Jesus overcoming. And do you all realize how Jesus overcame? How did he do it? I mean, we all know Jesus is God, and Jesus can uh, overcome, you know, being dead, and we know that, but that's not all that he did. Jesus went through the very difficult stuff that we go through. You see, probably right now, in a lot of cases, we might feel like quitting, shouldn't we? I mean, we, we feel like that because we feel like, you know, it just seems like, Things get more difficult every day. You ever been there? It's like, and, and, and you start to think, when's this ever going to end? Well, let me tell you how to beat that. You just don't quit. Amen. If you feel like quitting today, let me encourage you, don't quit today. Not today. You can start over again tomorrow, but don't quit today. Jesus didn't quit. Jesus endured everything that the enemy could throw at him. And if you think he had a, a, an easy time, just look at his last few hours, last few days. I mean, he had people after him all the time. And every time something happened that was good, something else bad happened as a result. And the move, counter move thing, warfare that was happening, that happens to us, happened to Jesus. And Jesus just simply didn't quit. Amen. And he overcame. And see, if you'll find yourself doing that, you can find yourself overcoming as well. Because there is resurrection power in Jesus Christ. And so we're talking about the big picture. We uh, set the stage for you a few weeks ago talking about the war. How that from the very beginning when God created, God created angels. Even before he created humans, God created angels. And at some point in eternity past, some angels rebelled against God. We know the chief of those angels, we call him Satan now, which means accuser and slanderer. He doesn't have a, a great name because he's not a great individual. And we find out that many angels followed him in the rebellion against God. So the next move God made was that God created humans. So then Satan countered that move by tempting humans into delegating this world to him. That's what happened when we sinned. You may find this funny to, or, or interesting or didn't even know it, but the Bible in the New Testament calls Satan the God of this world. Did you know that? The God of this world. There is a God that is working around here, little g, little g, but he is somebody that is very influential and powerful in this world. And that battle has been going on a long time. And all through the Old Testament, it was move, counter move, move, counter move, and it culminated in the cross where God made his final move, where Jesus said, tell Telestai, paid in full, it is finished. And then three days later, Jesus Christ got up from the dead. Ladies and gentlemen, the last move God made was raising Jesus from the dead. And that power has been given to us. So as Pastor Ryan showed us last week, we are already seated with him in the heavenlies. Do you realize that? See, that, that is your position. Most of you would say, I'm seated here on 3rd Street in a chair. But your position with God is in the heavenlies. Amen. And that's where the battle is fought. Too many of us fight the battle here. We want to fight on this side. When the battle is there. 
And if you learn how to fight right, you're going to win your battles. Why? Because we've already won. If Jesus is seated and we're seated, then we can stand on this side. So that's what we did a couple of weeks ago. Last week, Ryan spent a lot of time explaining to us that because we are seated with him, we can stand against the wiles of the devil. I want to say to you that you and me as humans are no match for angels or demons. But in Jesus Christ, they're no match for us. And so when we properly prepare for battle, we win every time. And you need to know that demons have a few things that they want out of you. Sometimes we think demons just want, want to kill us, and that's probably true. But the main thing demons want us to do is to feel fear, to feel powerless, and to give up. You ever hear that thing inside of your head that says, why don't you just give up? This is just too hard. We're never going to get any better. We're never going to get over this. We're never going to uh, be able to achieve what we're looking for. That voice is coming from darkness, ladies and gentlemen. And if you can discern where that voice is coming from and realize that Jesus never called us to quit. Jesus called us to overcome. And Jesus called us to persevere. You heard Tim singing a moment ago. We shall overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's straight out of the book of Revelation. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. In other words, he died for us. But then we overcome by the word of our testimony. And the word of our testimony is not onward sitting soldiers. It's those soldiers that stand, that don't quit. Even when we're weak, he is strong. And if we realize we're weak, we're probably in a good place to start winning because one of our problems is we try to fight this in our own power. So today we want to continue on and talk to you about some things that will help you to conquer the enemy. Anybody interested? Are you interested in conquering the enemy? You know, the Bible calls us more than conquerors. Not just a conqueror, but more than conquerors. The Bible gives imagery in the book of Corinthians about how Jesus Christ always leads us in triumphant procession. That we, if you could just see it from the heavenly uh, perspective, you would realize you're on that team, you're in that army that won, and you're literally taking prisoners with you. We are overcomers. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And the last thing that Revelation said is that we did not uh, love our lives so much as to shrink from death. Sadly, today, there's so many people who name the name of, of Jesus Christ who are walking around completely scared to death that death might happen to them right now. Sad. You cannot overcome with a spirit of fear upon you. The Bible says God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So here we are today. We're going to hear some commands from our commander-in-chief. And the commands are going to come out to us authoritatively. And you'll notice in the Bible that Jesus is the head of the church. And the Bible says now every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the word Lord means he's the big boss. And when he gives commands, he doesn't give us great suggestions. He gives us commands. 
And in the book of Ephesians, we hear the Apostle Paul writing the commands coming from our commander-in-chief. And they are authoritative. You see, if you never really understand the idea of authority, you're never going to understand how to win in spiritual warfare. Satan comes, and Satan's only tool that he's got to use against you is the lie. And God uses the truth. Guess which one is authoritative? You see, when it comes to God, when he commands something, it happens. Did you notice that? When Jesus commands the waves to go down, they go down. When Jesus commands leprosy to be gone, it's gone. When Jesus commands dead people to come back to life, they come back to life. The only thing in human history that has ever had the gall to not obey the commands of the Lord is humans. We're the only ones dumb enough to not obey what he tells us to do. So when we do obey what he tells us, then we find the full authoritative power of our commander-in-chief behind those commands. And today as we start, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, and there are outlines, printed outlines, if you'd like to follow along. In Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, we read some commands that God gives us. Do you all notice the armor over here? We have this up here to give you a picture of what it looks like when someone is fully prepared for the day. Can I tell you something? That's the way Christians start their day. You have to get dressed. We might call it dressed for success. Because if you have God's armor on, Satan cannot touch you whatsoever. Notice what Paul said in Ephesians 6.10. He said, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand Firm. This does not sound like words given to pathetic Christianettes who are trying to decide how God wants to make their life more comfortable. Ladies and gentlemen, if your idea of the Christian life is that God loves me and wants me to be comfortable, have a good job, and live a cushy life, and someday retire with ease, you have severely misunderstood the message of the Scripture. We are here for a purpose that's greater than us. We do not live unto ourselves; We live unto the Lord. Everything about us is about him. You were created by God and for God. And for his purposes, we exist. And ladies and gentlemen, we will be here until he's finished with us. We do not have the ability to, to shorten that on our own. Now, I believe we could sin away some of our days. I believe that. But ladies and gentlemen, today, my purpose today, January 24th, 2021, is to faithfully execute the scriptures that God has given me so that you and I can be encouraged and go forth in victory. Amen. So, in this particular scripture, we're going to talk about the idea of commands that conquer. 
commands that conquer. If you hear what the apostle is giving us today and you obey those commands, you will find yourself on the winning side. You will find yourself, the victory that has already been won for you will be played out in your life. First, let's talk about the conflict of the cosmos. This is what we were talking about a few weeks ago. We call it spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare can be defined like this. It's the conflict in the invisible realm that affects the visible realm. You see, there are things going on even this morning that unless you have the eye of faith, you can never see. You may not realize it, but the enemy has thrown things at you to discourage you from moving forward in the kingdom of God. In fact, I believe that 2020 was a time where the enemy had great preparation to throw something very damaging at the world, and in particular the church, with the idea of shutting down the churches. I will say this as long as I have breath. Satan wants the church shut down, but Jesus says the church will never shut down and move forward. And so what we doing here, here at Eastland Life Church, we want to be faithful until the end. And ladies and gentlemen, there are things going on all around. If you read the book of Daniel, you'll find out that Daniel prayed, and the Bible says God dispatched the angel Gabriel to come to, to Daniel. And the, Gabriel said that he was, uh, he was withstood by the enemy. There were some things going on in the heavenly realms. It took some time for the messenger to get to, to Daniel. When you read about Elisha in the Old Testament, Elisha was surrounded by physical armies and he said there are more for us than against us and pulled back the curtain so that his attendant could see that the hills were covered with chariots of fire. <clears throat> you need to realize there are angels, ministering spirits that are ministering on your behalf. You see, there are more for us than are against us here today. And if God be for us, who can actually be against us? So Paul gives us these com particular commands because he is talking about the fact that we are fighting from the place of victory. Let me give you some good news about why we can obey these commands and why we can win. First, God has already defeated Satan and his agenda. Satan's agenda was to get in the way of God and to show that he was more powerful than God. Satan was going to stop what God was doing, but on every turn, God defeated Satan. When Jesus died, Satan's head was crushed, ladies and gentlemen. It was over. Jesus said, tell, tell us, die. It is finished. It is done. Ladies and gentlemen, God has already defeated Satan. <coughs> Too many of us spend way too much time exalting the devil and talking about how strong he is. Ladies and gentlemen, compared to our God, he is no bigger than what God can do with his very finger. Jesus said, with the finger of God, I can cast out demons. Ladies and gentlemen, let's stop fighting this in our own power and fight it with the power of God Almighty. He's already defeated Satan and his agenda. Also, God has delivered his people from sin's penalty and power. 
He's already delivered you. You see, some people have believed the lie. They have believed the lie that I'm always going to be this way. I'm always going to be something that the Bible says I'm not. I'm always going to be addicted to this substance. I'm always going to have these sexual urges. I'm always going to have this problem with this alcohol. I'm always going to be a liar. I'm always going to be someone that's trying to be ambitious and and be materialistic. And I'm always going to be this way. And I'm always going to be angry. Ladies and gentlemen, those are lies from the devil. Because God has already delivered us from sin's penalty and its power. We call that being saved. Being saved means that I was lost and now I'm found. I was dead and now I'm alive. Being saved means I am not in bondage anymore. I once was in bondage, but now I'm free. See, we're saved in the past from the penalty of sin. We're saved in the future from the very presence of sin. And we're saved in the present now from the power of sin. You don't have to walk around helplessly sinning every day and stop telling yourself that that's who you are. You're a saint of the Most High God and you have the Word of God in your hands and the Spirit of God in your heart. Satan has been defeated and God has delivered. But then you have Satan continuing to fight. Satan is determined To fight so as to inflict as much damage as possible. As a snake that's had its head cut off, he still slithers around and tries to cause as much damage as he possibly can. Therefore, the combat continues. You see, bad theology would say, now I'm saved and now my life is going to be easy. I would dare say that no matter what you do, life will never be easy. If you live for the devil, life is not easy because the devil doesn't love you anyway. And the sin nature can never bring any peace and never bring anything that overcomes and never bring anything that satisfies. The reason why so many people in our culture are so messed up, some of the richest people in our our country are just teething with evil and they can't stop the behavior because they're always looking for something to scratch that itch. God, God's word declares that life is not going to be easy no matter what you do. So then when we come to Jesus, we think, okay, now I can settle down. I can sit down and just enjoy a good life. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. But you have an enemy that's never going to stop fighting against you. Tony Evans said it like this. He said that when you're positioned right, you're under the cover of God's amazing grace. It's like an umbrella. I saw a little girl come in. I think a little herring girl came in today. had an umbrella. And I guess it was raining outside. But you know what? If you got the umbrella and it's raining all around you, it's not raining on you. And so when the enemy comes after you, it's raining all around you, all around you. But you stay positioned right. The umbrella's there. It's not raining on you. And this is what God wants for you. It's not going to be a cushy life, but it's going to be a life that you can live because his power is going to come in and he's going to raise you up in those moments that you need it. The combat continues, but you need to know who you're fighting. Some of you think you're fighting your boss at work because he's a jerk. Anybody work for jerks? 
Anybody know any jerks? Somebody said if there's a jerk in every room and if you can't figure out who it is, you're it. Somebody thinks that, you know, my problem is these people on the highway that drive 20 miles under the speed limit. Sometimes we think our problem is our spouse. It's those kids. In my case, we could say it's those grandkids. That's the problem. It's those church people. Sometimes we say, no, it's the preacher. It's those other guys. We look at life and we think our problem is flesh and blood, but the Bible says we don't wrestle against that. Who is it that causes us so much trouble? They are first rulers. Rulers is the word that Paul uses here, and the word is arche, and it means the leader, the active cause of principality. You see, the picture that we're getting is that there are a hierarchy of leaders that plan things to get into the way of Christian people. There is a hierarchy of evil. I don't know exactly how it looks, but it looks like there are demons assigned to certain areas. I've lived in a couple of different areas, and pretty much they were pretty similar. For example, what would you say would be the problem here in Metropolis? What would you say would be our biggest problem? I asked this question last night, and they answered me. They said drugs. And I think that's true because you can see people walking up and down the street at any hour of the day and night, and they are actively addicted, and they're being driven to death, pulled in by the enemy. But I would say that if you would think about what evil would do to create that outcome, all evil's got to do is get the churches to be lukewarm, to be nonchalant, to be apathetic, to be shut down, and you can have the community. Do you all realize what would happen if the churches in our community completely shut down, all of them? The government, who says they have our best interests, are being driven by these rulers to shut down the only thing that can save our communities. Isn't that crazy? You see, I think that's going on here. I've been in Metropolis again now for about 16 years. And I want to tell you, there is a spirit of lukewarm, apathetic Christianity, compromising Christianity all around our area. And that's why we've got the drug problem that we do. You never really solve the drug problem until you solve the church problem. And all we have to do is stop listening to the lies of the enemy. There's rulers, there's powers. The word is excelsia. The word power means excelsia. The rulers are the authoritative ones, and the power is what they wield. There is great power in the darkness. It's called the uh, dark world forces. It's called wicked spiritual forces. See, you just think your problem is the person sitting next to you, but your problem is much bigger than that. Because we don't wrestle with those people, even though we kind of do, because that's who we see. But if we can ever get the eyes of faith to see who's actually motivating those people, then we can fight from a different place. If we can stop trying to fight on this level and start fighting on this level, we'll start seeing some success. These people are fighting. Where do they reside? They reside in the heavenly realm. Paul says in the heavenly realm. There are things going on that many people never see. Tony Evans said it like this. If all you see is what you see, 
then you do not see all there is to be seen. If you live life thinking that your problem is this person in front of you or this system that you can see, you do not see it all. Because we don't wrestle just with that. We wrestle with things much higher and much more wicked. And what do they do? What does these uh, powers and rulers and authorities, what is it that they're after? There are a couple of things that I can mention. First, they struggle against the church. You see, they are focused like a laser against the church. Because the church, ladies and gentlemen, is the hope for our world. We are the body of Jesus Christ, the, the body that's been put together by the Holy Spirit. Jesus physically left this world 2,000 years ago, but he left his spirit to take people like you and me and put us together in one body to do what he was doing. Of course, Jesus is the hope of the world, and we are the body of Jesus, so when you take that body and you lay it down, of course, nothing's going to change. You see, Satan works through consent and cooperation. He comes to the church and he offers an easy plan. Satan always offers an easy out. He offers the church an easy out to just kind of get along to go along. Not only do, do they struggle against the church, but they scheme against unbelievers or against believers. They scheme against us believers. They have a methodology that we can always determine. Satan's a one-trick pony. He uses the same thing over and over and over, and that's the lie. Notice what Jesus said in John chapter 8. He said, you are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Everything darkness does is based on the lie. They struggle against the church. They scheme against believers. Satan will come up to you and he will speak to your brain in the first person. And make you think that you thought of that lie yourself. How many people have said things like this? I know the Bible says differently, but this is what I want to do. This is really the right thing for me. So many people have told me that. I can't tell you how many people over the last 10 months have told me, have come to me and argued with me about why we are going against the common thread of thought today that we must be in compliance with government that is out of the will of God. Oh, and they use all kinds of, of big flowing rhetoric and words and wisdom. Ladies and gentlemen, any wisdom that does not come from God is based on a lie. And I won't follow it. There's just not anything this world can offer me to make me stop obeying the scriptures because Satan only lies and he schemes against you. Satan comes to you. What, what is it you struggle with? What is it that Satan does to tempt you? We'll talk about that in just a minute. It's a scheme. It's a scheme to the point that it's also strategic. 
You see, I think 2020 was something Satan had been planning for some time. I really do. I think there was a lot of purpose behind what evil was doing during the last year. And in large measure, they were successful, but in not all. You see, the Bible talks about us taking up the full armor of God so that we might be able to resist in the evil day. What is the evil day? It's a time that Satan's armies have strategically set up just to manipulate and to scheme you. Tony Evans puts it like this. He talks about football, and I'm not a football fan at all. I don't know much about it. It looks painful, and I, I don't care much about it. And the only thing I know about it is uh, that Tony Evans was the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys, and so he talks about it a lot. He's a sports guy. And he says, what uh, these football teams do, and I think we're getting close to the Super Bowl pretty soon, I think. He said, what these teams will do is they will look at tape of the other team, and they'll watch it over and over and over. Why is it that they do that? They want to find the flaws in the other team. That in, when the quarterback does a certain thing, 90% of the time he does this. When the running back does a certain thing, 80% of the time he does this. And they're watching it over and over and over in order to know their opponent so that they can strategically plan to come out on the winning side. Well, Satan does the same thing. He watches your tape. He knows where your weaknesses are. He sees you when no one else does. Ladies and gentlemen, don't think that you're locked away in a closet and nobody knows. Because not only does God Almighty know, but that demon that's been assigned to you knows. And they know how to manipulate you. And they know the things that tempt you. All of us have them. Are there things in your life that you cannot be tempted with? There are just some things that I'm not tempted with. For example, I'm not tempted to keep my money for myself. For the last 30 years, I have made a practice that when God blesses me with money, I take a percentage of it and bring it back to him. That's not anything I have to pray about. I never have to pray about that. There's, in fact, I can't even remember the last time that I was tempted to keep what I consider God's. Haven't been. That doesn't tempt me. You can take me in a place where there's rows of slot machines all over the place, and I'll walk through it like they're not even there because I don't care about that. That doesn't tempt me. I'm going to give my money to God, not somebody else, because I also know I'd probably lose all day long. That's just one of the things about me. But there are things that I'm tempted with. There are things that you're tempted with. And the enemy knows your tape. The enemy knows your weak spot. And the enemy is planning a day when your number is going to get called and you're going to be put into the middle of the attack. And what are you going to do when that happens? You see, if we're not prepared, we're going to lose. That's why you've got to be ready. You never know when that time's going to come. I mean, someday I will preach a message about last March, and I think I'll run it all the way into this March, and I want to show you what I think Satan did throughout each one of those months 
leading up into where we are right now. See, I think I see it. I think I see it. I think I even see it this morning. You know, a lot of our people are under the weather right now. Everybody says, oh, do they have COVID? I don't know what they have. It's not my business. You see how crazy this has gotten? We are so afraid of each other. You let somebody cough and see what happens. Last Wednesday night, I was out here talking to the folks. I was just cutting up. And uh, there's like four or five people in the coffee shop. And I said, man, I haven't been able to taste for four days. You should have seen it. Everybody went, boom. Not really. They just looked at me like, did he really say that? I said, yeah, I really said that. Oh, my goodness. He's in here trying to kill people. What kind of stupid thing is that? I actually heard a governor say that one time, that you can be a carrier of this disease and not know it and walk around and kill people. I'm like, I sure wish I had 10 minutes with you, mister. You don't have any sense. You don't even have enough brains in your head to know where you're at. Amen. So Satan's got his plans, and he's watching your tape. Why does he want to do this? Here's some things. Here's what the enemy's trying to do. First, the enemy wants to dispute the goodness of God. The enemy always wants to say God is not good. And when you're going through hard times, it's hard to say God's good, isn't it? Isn't it? Come on, we can be honest here, can't we? Because sometimes I don't, sometimes even in my prayer journal, I'm like, God, I don't understand. I just don't understand. And sometimes you go through times when you got bad news today, you get bad news again tomorrow, and it gets worse every day. You ever been there? Man, I've been there. I've seen it. And on those times, the, the enemy comes in and says, you know what? God's not being very good to you. Enemy wants to dispute the goodness of God. Enemy wants to discourage believers. He wants to discourage you. He wants to make you feel powerless and helpless. He wants to discredit the church, and he wants to defy the work of God. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not God's plan for us. God has given us three commands that will conquer anything you're dealing with. And we read about them this morning. God's commands are powerful. When you understand the power of his commands and you adjust yourself to his commands, life will be radically different for you. I was reading a story from a, a magazine from the Naval Institute, and it was a great truth about authority. And it says, while on maneuvers, a battleship lookout noted a light out into the dark. It was a dark, foggy night and saw a light out into the dark. After noting the light's coordinates, the captain recognized that his ship was on a collision course with this other vessel. So the captain instructed, signal the ship that we're on a collision course and advise that this ship change course 20 degrees. The return signal countered advisable that you change 20 degrees. The captain signaled, I'm a captain. Change course 20 degrees. The response came back, I'm a seaman second class, and you better change course 20 degrees. So the captain's ticked now. He's like, I'm going to show this guy that he has to listen to me. And he goes back and he says, I am a battleship. You change your course 20 degrees. And the answer came back, I'm a lighthouse. You adjust your course 20 degrees. See, most of us are like that battleship. God says adjust our course, and we think we know better. 
And if you don't adjust your course, you're going to find yourself hitting something that you don't want. God has given us our marching orders. Three things. Three commands that conquer today. The first one is the command to be strong. The Bible says be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't fight to be strong. We believe in him and we are strong. Do you get that? How can you tell that he's strong? What about the strength of his might? I would challenge you this week to read the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3, <clears throat> the Bible says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The Bible says in verse 4 that he has predestined us to the adoption of sons. The Bible says in verse 7 that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says in verse 11 that we have an inheritance uh, coming from him because he's predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his own will. The Bible says in verse number 13, we are sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and verse 1, we were dead in our trespasses and sins and he has made us alive again. Ladies and gentlemen, he has proven to us the strength of his might. So when we read his word and we believe his word, we don't fight to be strong. We believe him and we are strong. So that's the state of being. The second command is this, put on. The first thing is to be strong. The next thing is to put on. That's the action of doing. He says this, put on the whole armor of God. Let me tell you what that doesn't sound like. It doesn't sound like you get out of bed in the morning, you check your Facebook, you get your coffee or your Mountain Dew, and you kind of fall into the day. Ladies and gentlemen, it's very important that when you start your day that you put on the armor of God, that you get ready for the onslaught that might be out there for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, because he is strong, we put on his strength. When you look at this armor today, that is not our armor. That is his armor, and it is laying at your feet every day. Put it on. We're going to show you what that looks like. There's the belt of, of truth. There's a breastplate of righteousness. There's the shield of faith. There's the shoes of peace. There's the helmet of salvation. There's the sword of the spirit. We're going to take one week at a time. We're going to show you what these things look like. Aren't you tired of losing today? I don't want to lose anymore. I don't have to lose because my Savior has already won. And I can be strong in the strength of his might. I be strong and I put on and then I stand firm. Ladies and gentlemen, whatever is going to come at you this week, you don't have to fall. You don't have to get knocked down. You don't have to be out for the count. Whatever Satan's plans for you this week, whatever schemes he has planned for you, they will fall before the might of the Savior. They couldn't stop Jesus, and they can't stop you. They couldn't keep Jesus dead, so they can't have you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are safe under the covering of the position that Jesus Christ has purchased for us. We are more than conquerors. Ladies and gentlemen, proper faith and preparation brings success. You gotta believe and you gotta get dressed. You can't walk around without it. When it says conquerors, commands it conquer, notice the scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? 
Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, all the things that we are afraid of, peril, persecution, famine, distress, everything that 2020 threw at us. And the Apostle Paul says none of these things can separate us from the love of Christ. He goes on to say, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer. Say overwhelming. Our victory is overwhelming. We're not going into the fourth quarter hoping that we get a field goal at the last minute. Guys, we have run up the score. The enemy can't possibly get back to where we are. We are overwhelmingly conquering them through him who loved us. Paul says, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor debt nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, we have won today. So stay in the spot. Guys, are you ready for this? We're going to start seeing victory. We're going to start seeing wins. We're going to start seeing the enemy. It's time that the enemy start getting afraid. Remember that song we used to sing, the enemy's been defeated? Death couldn't hold you down. Enemy's gone, guys. He always comes back, but he always runs. James says, resist the devil. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. You know what? He will flee from you. It's time that we shake our fist of faith at the devil and say, no more, no more. I am so proud of my church. I am so proud of the fact that you guys don't quit. You don't quit. Go out and win this week, amen.